Welcome to the Full Dive Gaming Podcast, bringing you a weekly dive of all the news, discussion, and condensed nerd talk you need for virtual reality gaming. This podcast is brought to you by Asterion Products, a top-selling company on Amazon, designing revolutionary products for VR and AR, with a new product coming soon called Origins. Stay tuned. I'm Jay Bratt. I'm a VR YouTuber, streamer, and your host for tonight's podcast. I'm Kaylee Eliza, a VR artist and musician. Tonight, we've got a special, very esteemed guest. This is VR filmmaker Alex Rule. Alex, why don't you tell our listeners all about yourself? Hey, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm primarily a director and writer of scripted VR experiences, but I'm also a bit of a podcaster, um, and I, I have a weekly podcast talking about creating VR experiences. It's called the Alex Makes VR Podcast. It is. I've listened to a couple of them, and they are really great. Very engaging, very good, and very entertaining. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I was just saying before we started recording, this is like one of the first times I've actually had a social VR experience. So I'm super excited to be chatting to you. (laughs) Well, it only goes up from here. Uh, (laughs) If you're out there right now, you're listening to the podcast. We're here to keep you up to date in the VR realm. We answer questions from our Discord, Patreon communities. We talk about the latest and greatest VR news. And then we discuss the games or experiences we've been playing and more VR concepts from there. If you haven't seen our YouTube channel, we are all sitting here in VR, interacting as if we were really together in one room. So check us out at the channel if you want to see us and our lovely virtual faces. So virtual. They are so lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got some Q&A. Actually, we told our Discord community who the guest was this week, and we got a lot of Q&A questions. Uh, Alex... I'm, we're just going to take you through a couple of them here one at a time. We'll get to more questions later on. So if you're like, hey, I had another question, make sure you stick around for the discussion because we're going to cover some of those there. Kaylee, what was the first question for Alex here? So Natty Bratty on our Discord asks, when you're making a film in VR, do you capture 360 sound as well as 360 visuals? Mm, good question. Do you know what? 360 sound is probably one of the most important things when you're creating a VR film because you know you think about like being a human being so much of your experience in day-to-day life is sound so yeah we we find it really important to capture the 360 ambisonic audio which kind of helps guide people's attention as you can imagine VR filmmaking very different to traditional filmmaking you've got to kind of like tell the audience where they're supposed to be looking and sound can be a huge kind of helping um, helping hand in that. So yes, we do. Thank you for your question. We do indeed record sound as well as visuals in 360. Yeah, it's it makes such a difference too, like in games. If you play one and you notice they didn't like do good audio, you don't know where sounds are coming from. It, yeah, it's huge. Mm. <laughs> it makes a difference, right? It makes a, And even like we've had um, films before where we've made it with the 360 sound, but then for some reason, like the headset didn't support it. And the difference in like, the audience feedback is wild like you see if you put someone side by side one person watching with the uh, ambisonic sound and one without you would just see what a drastically different experience they were having it's really really interesting yeah uh well on that note brand malin from our discord he asked hey i've never watched a vr film is there any recommendations for one to be my first experience of the medium that is so much pressure. Uh, <laughs> it, do you know what? It totally depends on what kind of content you enjoy. Um, if you're quite well versed with VR in general, like if you're like a VR gamer, for example, and you're looking to look at some like more narrative based content, then maybe give something like Madrid Noir a go or um, The Line is a really simple but beautiful experience. And if you're kind of well-versed with how to interact with uh, VR, then those could be kind of good go-tos. There are also two projects that have done very well in terms of critical acclaim. So you know that they're always a safe bet. If you're a little bit newer to VR and maybe you um, have just started kind of like looking into it or maybe you've like not really done much in actual like a a headset before then maybe go with something like traveling while black which is a um, 360 documentary by a company called felix and paul beautiful cinematography really powerful story um, but very simple you know it's linear you don't have to interact with it it's very simple you just kind of like sit and look around as the story unfolds so um, those are a few recommendations definitely 
Ailey, I think we had another question. Yeah, Crowd Nation asked, what's your favourite project that you've worked on so far? Oh, it's like choosing your favourite kid, isn't it? Um, <laughs> everyone, ha- everyone has a favourite yeah, kid. Let's yeah. not choke ourselves. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like, I feel like quite a few of the projects I've worked on I both love and hate them, right? It's like that constant, I mean, you'll mm. probably get this, Kaylee. It's like, you're an yeah. artist. So everything you do, to some extent, you hate because you always yeah. think you can make it better. You always think you could add more. Uh, you know, you look back, at, I look back at my first ever 360 film, which to this date is probably still what I'm most well known for um, because I was fortunate enough to have some really interesting kind of actors involved and it like did really well on the festival circuit. Um, but that piece, like I did it in 2016. It's crap, like. <laughs> so so like I own my I own my career to it but would I recommend you go watch it now not necessarily um, so in terms of to answer the question properly uh, my favorite project so far I'll probably have to go with my latest one um, purely from a selfish point of view I just created um, a, a com- commercial piece with a PwC which is a big global consultancy and it's a piece um filmed using volumetric video capture which for those non-nerdy viewers is basically a 3d video so imagine someone stands in the middle of a spherical kind of studio and all around them is just hundreds of cameras capturing them from every single angle it's like a wild kind of way to to create a film but it was so much fun it was so technically challenging but it was so much fun creating a story in that kind of way because it was interactive it was fully 3d you know the audience could like move around and experience it in its room scale glory um but story was kind of at the heart of it and it was all about um you know, what it's like to to kind of work at a consultancy when you're from a kind of like a minority group and what that experience is like. So, yeah, that was a really exciting project. If, if you fancy watching the trailer for it, it's called In My Shoes. And if you just search In My Shoes PwC UK, you will find the trailer for it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you're also like when it comes to some of these words, you're definitely using some uh, jargon. And you're kind of telling us like the volumetric, you explained it. Because a lot of our viewers, even me sitting here, I'm like, what the heck is that? Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, even to me myself, I find it like when someone uses different words for the for the same thing, like that happens quite a lot in this industry, right? Everyone's from a different background within the like gamers and the filmmakers. We're talking about similar things, but we don't explain it. So it all gets confusing. So yeah, if, if I do use any words that are not making sense, just... Just remind me and I'll explain the jargon. <laughs> <laughs> well, along the lines of, of more with the filmmaking, Natty Braddy also asked, what kind of camera or cameras do you have to use to make a VR film? Because, I mean, you were not talking, you know, a normal one-frame camera. How do you get that whole 360 experience? Mm, so we just talked about, you know, the very high-end version of VR filmmaking. You would use, like, a, a volumetric setup, which, like I said, is basically a giant green spherical room with hundreds of cameras all capturing at the same time. But that is very expensive. It's very data heavy. It can be a nightmare to work with in post-production. So on the kind of more um, accessible end of the scale, we would use a 360 camera rig. Uh, Now, the one that I generally use at the moment is called the Insta360 Titan, which is a, imagine like a giant bowling ball with eyes all around it. It's got like, I think it's between, I can't even remember, it might be eight lenses or might be 10 lenses. Um, I forget, but it's got, it basically looks like a giant bowling ball with eyes all around it. Often people will be like, is that some kind of like alien Dalek situation you've got (laughs) going on there? And what it does is it's, technically like eight different cameras all facing different ways just in one camera body so what that's doing is when you press record it's recording all around you so as you can imagine that presents some interesting challenges as a director with a crew because all of a sudden you can see everything so like where am I going to hide people? Often the uh, the case is around the corner or under the tripod um, <laughs> to give you, give you the trade secrets. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how we would record it. We would record with a kind of a, a camera rig that captures everything. And then what you do is we have a bit of clever software uh, that basically takes all of those different camera angles and it kind of stitches it together like a quilt and makes one large panoramic 
kind of video, almost like you can do on your smartphone when you take a panorama and you, you know, you hold your phone and it captures like frames like this. It's the same kind of thing, only video and we stitch it all together so that you can see all around. Well, there's so much that we can talk about here. Make sure you stick around for the gaming section because we're going to be talking about more VR films, experiences there. We could talk for hours about this, though. I mean, I was even already when you said where they hide the crew, I had been waiting till and like wondering about that question all the time because I'm always like when I'm watching a 360 crew, I'm like, where the heck is the crew? Where is everyone? <laughs> Sometimes when so either you hide them or one of my favorites is um, in my like I mentioned earlier, my first ever 360 project, which is called Key to Like. Uh, we basically hid the crew in plain sight. We would have them as extras in the film, so they would be walking past, or they would like be kind of like in the background, kind of like looking as if they were part of the atmosphere, but really they were like stopping like public from kind of like walking through. So there's yeah, there's yeah. a few different tricks. That's really tricks. cool. <laughs> That's like opened my eyes a bit. I did not know any of this. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. That's I mean, so cool. on, on the kind of higher end, like if you've got budget, it's always kind of it. I prefer anyway to kind of like have everyone and all the equipment kind of in one side of the frame, and then you would use like post production, like editing, almost think of it like Photoshop to like vanish them out. Um, so that can be really helpful if you've got the budget and if you're in like a really small room, for example. But um, but yeah, sometimes you just got to make do, you know, you got to go indie on it. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, let's head into the news today. Jay, what's our first story? Before we get into the news, we got to tell you about our sponsor for today's news section, Esports Customware. They specialize in custom esports jerseys. They're modeled after the same professional sports jerseys you see in regular sports, now in esports. High quality fabrics, full color. And if you stick around, come check us out on YouTube next week. If you're still only listening to the audio, we're actually going to be doing our first ever little sneak peek here for everybody. Our first ever in-person podcast. And we're going to have our own esports custom wear jerseys that we're all going to finally have. We're going to be wearing them. We're going to tell you about how they are in person. And I couldn't be more excited about next week's in-person podcast. First time after a year. Oh, I'm so uh, jealous. I miss socializing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it feels weird after all this time, but it's yeah. going to be fun. Uh, weird, weird news story this week. So for those of you out there who don't really follow Steam uh, VR, they have these surveys that they check out what's going on. It goes through all of Steam. What's going on with games? What games are big? What people are in them? What are they playing? It's always also tracked how many VR users there are on Steam. Now, this is only Steam. This isn't the Oculus Store. This isn't PSVR. But for the first time, they saw a pretty big decrease last month. So from 2.31% of everybody on Steam who used a VR headset, it dropped down to 1.86. And even after several questions have been sent to Steam, they won't say why. Uh, mm. The Road to VR kind of talked about this and they speculated it's got to be one of a couple things. They said, one, the, the data is correct, but maybe they changed some kind of adjustment in the statistics that made it look different. The data could be correct, but the explanation is unknown. Maybe Steam themselves is trying to figure it out or maybe it's an error. It has been a couple weeks, so usually they correct errors by now. So what do you two think? Is this is there any speculation you have? You think what what have you seen in the VR industry that might be leading to this? Alex, what what do you think? I mean, I I I don't think that that would be I mean, it is quite dressy when you think about it. It's like that's half VR users essentially, if you think of it going from two point something down to one point something. But for me personally, I think is that just coinciding with the unlocking of most places in the world? Like are people going out like and enjoying themselves for the first time in over a year and that is causing them to be less inclined to be not only just in VR, but in 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 just kind of like in the virtual world um in general I, I don't know that's what my guess would be is it it just seems timely that that's coinciding with the world kind of coming back alive a little bit and the fact that it's summer most places in the world so you know like people want to be outside when it's nice weather I know for the last week England has had ridiculous weather and I have not mm. been inside at all <laughs> so yeah. that, would be, that would be my guess what do you think Hayley? I'm just yeah I completely agree I, I do think it seems too much of a coincidence that like yeah with the time of year and um everything going back to normal well for a lot of places going back to normal again I know that obviously over here like we can kind of like pretty much back to normal now unless you want to like take whatever precautions you want to but generally like socializing has gone from like zero to 100 again it's like mm. suddenly everyone wants to do things and like everyone's calendars I think are probably getting a busier so yeah I mean I eat it's like same with me like I've just not 
I've kind of been avoiding VR whenever the sun's out. It's like, you just feel really guilty as well. Like, we don't get a lot of sun, like, direct sun as well. Like, that where it's, like, really hot and, like, really nice. So it's like, we know, like, how special it is when it comes. It's like, I'm not going to miss this for one Make second. The most of it, yeah. So if you're, like, if you're definitely, like, self-employed like me, I'm like, I'm going to rearrange my entire schedule around the sun. Like, 100%. So... Yeah, you're not gonna find me on Steam if it's like if it's good weather. So okay. I do think as I reckon it must have something to do with that, even if it's like a small part. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? I think I think the points you bought you brought up are are very valid points. I think they're both probably right to a large degree. I think the other piece here too is as more and more quests are getting sold, a lot mm. of people, even though yes, you can plug those in and play on Steam, yeah. there's a lot you can just play without it. I've I've used my quest on my PC like once or twice. And if it wasn't for, you know, being in this podcast and being a YouTuber and a streamer, I probably would be mostly doing a lot of wireless Oculus only VR right now. So I I would love to know if Oculus had a big jump as well. So, you know, people go outside, more people are playing on Quest and it it just shows for on Steam for a month. So I think that might be a little other piece of the puzzle that might be leading to this. But I'm hoping that they'll they'll announce it at some point. Steam will respond and say what they see or what they think or maybe oculus will tell us hey our quest use has gone up this much more even and we'll know but it's, it's yeah. always concerning to those of us who are really big in the vr industry to see a statistic like this especially because we have a graph here that we can see and maybe for the youtube video we can get that graph up for you to look at but i mean it looks like the graph is up and up and up over the last few years and then like this one it's just such a sudden drop that it looks a little mm. scary to see yeah. that it's yeah. interesting because you'll see like again hopefully the gra- the graph will be will be up because I'd be interested to see where it last dipped and what that correlated to. Cause like looking at it, it looks the last sharp drop was maybe around the pandemic, right? It looks around yeah. February mm-hmm. kind of April. So I don't know, interest, really interest. Cause actually I would have thought that that would have been the time that it boomed the most, right? Because of like yeah. <laughs> being in lockdown, like having nothing to do, yeah. like finally. Do you remember people where it started like doing the opposite? Do you remember when everyone was suddenly like really self-aware about what, that about their, all of their like activities and choices and they're like, oh my God, um, like I think people there was a I just remember this period where everyone was like oh, I'm suddenly going to take up tennis and now I'm a runner and it's like oh, well, you never so did true. do you remember like <laughs> nobody did it I had so many friends was like you never did that like before like the <laughs> pandemic comes and now like you do all these things so maybe it was like during that transition period though where they're like because everyone eventually like kind of slumped back into like their normal like routine <laughs> yeah. yeah like and there was that post like pandemic depression not even pandemic like post like lockdown lockdown rules mm. depression where like you kind of like like oh okay but may- yeah maybe maybe uh, that would be funny if i had actually something to do with that because i just know so many people that did like randomly become really like much more productive because yeah. you got all that time <laughs> got all that time off work so maybe people were like i'm not going to play games i must be active yes. and then they've gone back and actually yeah i yeah. can't who, who am i kidding <laughs> I, pr- I prefer my lazy life <laughs> oh yeah. it's great it's kind of funny because you say that and like i think about when we started this podcast it was like I think it was just as the as the pandemic had kind of started as well. Like, I don't know that it directly coincided, but it's probably a lot of people, you know, they that thing they've always wanted to do, they finally did it. Yeah, that's literally yeah. why I started my podcast. I was See? like, well, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what else is going on in the news this week, Kaylee? Well, big news as far as Netflix, VR and gaming all coming together. Alex, you've been following this story. Would you be up for telling our listeners what's going on with that? Yeah, definitely. So this was huge news for someone like me who works in obviously the more filmmaking side. But Netflix has signed a new deal with the producer of Bridgerton, uh, which has introduced the idea of potentially virtual reality and uh, gaming original content on the platform. Um, So that's going to be really interesting. And they've also in the same kind of week announced that uh, they've hired a former Oculus vice president of, of uh, kind of AR and VR to come and head up games for Netflix. So two big announcements on the VR front. And what's what I find interesting about this, and I'd be curious to hear your takes, they've used gaming and virtual reality very closely together. They've kind of like, you know, bound the two. So I'll be super interested to see whether this is 
VR gaming they're going into, VR experiences in general. But one thing I want to point out is that Shondaland, who are the company that have have struck the deal with them, I'm a huge fan of their content. They do a lot of mainstream, accessible, you know, character-driven, story-driven series. Think How to Get Away with Murder, Grey's Anatomy, um, Scandal, Bridgerton, obviously, on Netflix. These are big, iconic dramas so that makes me really excited to to think that maybe they're going to have some kind of scripted based vr cooking what do you guys think i'm i'm super excited i'm also curious because i don't know i'm at kaylee do you know that there was once maybe there still is a netflix vr program mm-hmm. do you oh yeah do, do you I've, remember I've heard about it. yeah that rings a bell yeah yeah, so basically it was just Netflix, but you were in a room, you sat down in this virtual couch, there was a big BoJack Horseman poster up above, you looked out the window at like the Alps or something, and you could watch your Netflix on that. So there's been interest from Netflix before, at least mm. in a small capacity into VR. But I think about if they're going to create VR, if they're going to make something that, how, how, do they, how do they even do that with the platform they currently have with Netflix? You know, it, it's not necessarily built for VR. Do they bring back the old design? I just have so many questions. I feel like I have no real input because I just have no idea what this could mean, especially when you throw gaming in it. Uh, maybe Netflix is going to start having a gaming service and maybe it's going to have VR games. Maybe they're going to have VR movies. Maybe it's just going to do everything, but I, I just have no idea. <laughs> so mm, I'm excited, yeah. but I'm, I'm extremely lost by this news too. Yeah. Well, I was just, I assumed it was going to be something along the lines of, you know, they're interactive. They have like a couple of interactive films on there. Mm-hmm. And I thought they would definitely would have ran with that cinematic, like interactive storytelling um, sort of direction. Um, I didn't even think about like them doing anything to do with gaming just because, I don't know, I thought everything would be around cinema. Yeah, it's interesting them going after the kind of gaming market. Yeah. Um, but I think like to your point, Jay, about the whole, uh, you know, it's interesting that they're going for kind of everything. I just literally recorded a podcast of my own on the subject of Netflix getting into VR and what that means for like the storytellers mm. in VR. And one of the, I kind of use this analogy, uh, which is like, you know, in Toy Story, you know, the like end, one of the end scenes where Buzz and Woody are kind of like they're flying over the, the truck and Buzz uh, Woody goes, you missed the truck. And he's like, we're not aiming for the truck. Like, we're <laughs> for the car like so they're kind of like i see it as here's the truck which is like current social media like interactive video this is kind of what's happening right now but they know that in the future in five ten years time when apple are in the game headsets are more accessible they're lighter weight everyone's wearing ar glasses or whatever that's where they want to be so my prediction is that they're basically like let's just skip over this current thing because that's already established we don't need to play in that game let's go bigger let's go for like the long play because it's going to take that long for them to build the infrastructure build out like you say jay like is it going to be an app is it going to be like you know an app that kind of works cross-platform like the apple ecosystem that just all works seamlessly together like how is that going to work or is it going to be all separated out whatever but that would be my guess that they're going for like they're going for like the kind of the five-year future kind of version of content I hope you're, I absolutely hope you're right there because I feel like lately I've been kind of worried about Netflix a little. I wouldn't say they're becoming irrelevant by any means, but like I actually canceled Netflix last year and then of course some friends offered me their password. So now I have (laughs) Netflix again, but now I'm not paying for it. Don't tell anybody that. Uh, But like, it was just to the point where it was like everything I liked and watched used to be on Netflix. And now it's like, I got to have Netflix, I got to have Hulu, I got to have HBO, I got to have Disney. And it's like, it got so fractured that it was like, okay, which one can I kill? And Netflix was kind of the one. It was like everything I liked was gone. So I'm hoping that this really sparks some new because a company that doesn't innovate doesn't last. And Mm. Netflix was extremely innovative, but it's gotten to the point where now everyone's doing what Netflix does. So they've got to find an edge if they want to stay in the game. So Very true, very true. But it's, it's curious that they would be jumping into a medium like VR, which currently has a very small market share of like, of audience, right? So that's Mm -hmm. interesting, right? Because Mm. why, if they're trying to like continually expand, why then are they going after such a small market share? In my opinion, it's because they know that in five years time, that's going to be the game to be in. But 
Yeah, you're right, Jay. I mean, I don't know. I, I personally like live on Netflix. Like, so, like <laughs> Netflix too. and YouTube Premium, like they're the ones. Like, yeah, yeah, they they've got a lot of good stuff. We'll keep following the story and giving you updates as it comes because this is something near and dear to us, and uh, it's something that we'll have to explore a little more next week. Now that uh, Facebook is talking about making a full on metaverse, and mm. we're not going to cover that on today's. It's pretty new news, but we will be covering that. So hopefully, that has something to do with it. But well, let's get to the part that we always look forward to. Let's talk about some games. But first, you know, we got to tell you, we got to pay the bills. We got to tell you about Asterian products. If you don't know about them already, they offer amazing high quality universal VR headset stands. Most of our hosts have one. We're going to work to make sure the rest of them get one so that they can see what these things are like. But they hold any VR headset on them perfectly. They have RGB so you can make it match your setup. They're minimalist. And if you want to get your own, check out AsterianProducts.com. Use the code FULLDIVE, one word, for $5 off any order, 99 or more, and get your own. They're pretty cool. Uh, Alex, did you did you get to see a picture of these? Do you know what these things look like? I think I know what they look like. Well, um, there's if you, if you can see, this is off frame, but over on my desk, way over there in yeah. the corner of the room, there is one in VR sitting on the desk. Oh, we'll make yeah. sure we'll make sure okay. the YouTube viewers get us get one up on the screen here to see. But it's like that. That's you put your cool. VR headset and it lights up and they call it the aura because it glows. Oh, I it's need really one cool. of these. I'm going <laughs> to check them out and you should too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here in the game section, but as we have guests on the podcast, you know, we always tune our episode to their area of expertise. So this week, instead of doing actual games, we did some VR films, some game type experiences that are cinematically driven. We're going to talk about our first one. Alex recommended The Line, which is a 360 VR experience, and it can actually use full hand tracking if you're on the Oculus Quest. And it even won the 2020 Primetime Emmy Jury Award for Outstanding Innovation in Interactive Media. Alex, tell, you want to tell our viewers about The Line? Oh, The Line. Oh, yeah. So, so this piece is basically a lovely, simple love story. That's what this is. It's a narrative that you can you can't affect the storyline you're a witness to it but you have these little kind of interactive points where you help kind of like you know forward the narrative and to give you some context um not to spoil too much for for you listeners but it all takes place on one of these kind of old school vintage tabletop what would you even call it like a miniatures is that is that what they call it little yeah. village kind of in front of you yeah and yeah, it's all, and, it, and it's all on like rails and so like these little characters and they're all like in their routines and basically i'm a sucker for philosophy and it's basically a big lofty metaphor for like you know routine and like routine and love and doing the same thing and like breaking out of your kind of comfort zone to like you know get the love or elevate your life it's really sweet it's a great piece really well thought out and the thing that I love the most about this particular piece is it kind of puts into action that idea of where to use interactivity uh, to drive uh, narrative because there's a specific part in the experience where you feel like you for the first time really want to be interacting you want to be doing something for the character you want to help them and you can't. And it's kind yeah. of like, that's very intentional that you've been able to interact so far. And then at the pit, the part where you really want to, you can't. So yeah, a, a beautiful um, graphics, really simple, lovely story. It's one of the first pieces of VR films, um, if you want to call it that, that I really felt engaged the whole way through. But I'd be curious because you guys aren't really in the filmy world of VR. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Haley, did you get a chance to try this one? Yes, I did. And I loved it so much. Uh, I, I was kind of captivated from even like when you first get in and it's got like the late, the, like the levers and stuff. I knew like artistically how the vibe was going to be. Obviously, the trailer kind of gave you that like style anyway, but I did love it from the start. And um, I love the like how the style, because obviously I'm coming from an artistic point of view all the time, like visuals. Uh, I, the, I did like the interactivity, how it wasn't like Sometimes it's nice just being a witness, like a witness to something, and just letting things unfold in their own way. But I did like, I did like there were certain parts. I obviously I don't want to spoil anything, but um, there were certain parts where if you didn't like do, if you didn't interact at the times that you were meant to, the like the characters kind of look at you like, well, come on then. <laughs> like, I can't, yeah, like, I can't crack on until you do this business. Like, I'm like, all oh, right, sorry, mate. <laughs> so that, that was quite cool actually. That there's like little things like that, but. Yeah, I was just blown away, to be honest, just because 
Um, I do love, like, that's kind of eventually what I want to go into. So it's really bad that I should definitely put more time into this. Um, but, it, but it's almost nice that I don't go in them all the time because it means that I'm not desensitized to it because every time I'm so easily immersed and I'm like, it kind of made you feel as well like you had made, I kind of had this feeling like because you can stand up or sit down, like um, it gave you the sort of option at the beginning. But at the beginning, I was like kneeling. So I was at it like sort of like child's. So then I realized, oh yeah, I can just stand up. But I quite liked it because then I could like put my head forward and like really like take a peek and stuff. Um, So I really liked that, like how you could sort of watch it from afar or like have a look at the detail and stuff. It made I liked um, sort of. uh, Oh no, I don't want to spoil it, but I really wanted to get in there, if you know what I mean. And like, but I I thought the metaphor was like really nice and how it wasn't too obvious till the end almost mm. it's like at the beginning you kind of understood like what was going on it wasn't until afterwards like, I had this like massive like I don't know existential crisis like <gasps> the rat race <laughs> oh, like I, I forgot about the rat race oh I've like oh it's worked on me because I forgot about it and yeah. it's like I've woken up again I, I, I really loved it though and I thought it was really charming I think if I could describe it in one word it's mm. it's very charming and um like the voiceover and everything I just think stylistically everything was just like blended into one so nicely and that's when you know when something like works really well when all those choices and when they're made like everything aligns perfectly and it just like it just feels like it had its own branding like it felt like it it could like create other stories like just with the tabletop sort of scenario and it could be like completely in a different universe to those characters but like just knowing it was going to be in that style and stuff would make me want to like go back in and watch a new story. Yeah. Um, I really, yeah, I really, really liked it. Amazing. The, what did you think? The, the line I had actually checked out back in the day on the podcast, we talked about the news and how it was up for an Emmy. And I was like, I got to see this thing. And then when I found out you can use hand tracking on the quest instead of using the controllers, I was even more like, I got to try this now. Cause you know, there's not a lot that does that. Uh, for those of you out there who haven't ever watched many VR films, there's a couple terms I just want to go over here so you kind of know. It was a 360 experience, so that means you can fully turn around in it. It also was room scale, which is somewhat unusual for mm. VR films and stuff, meaning you could get closer to the objects. You could put your face down and see the figurines up close, and it was all made in CGI. Uh, and I love this experience when I did just because the the freedom of being able to see my physical hands in the world and touch the objects, interact with them, was so cool. And then you add, it's got a fun, very cute story on top of it with some real exciting moments and some other moments where you're just like on the edge of your seat, like, what are you going to do here? Come on. <laughs> it really felt like a cinematic experience, but it also felt like it it ran the right amount of time. I don't know what exact time I've had to guess. I'd say it was probably around seven to ten minutes. Mm, something uh, around that, I thought. It, yeah. it, it felt engaging the whole time, just like Alex said, because I've been in a lot of VR films and things and some of them you're just like okay get to the point yeah. <laughs> this one the whole time it was engaging it was adorable and being able to use my actual hands that if you haven't gotten to do that in an experience yet there is going to be some kind of a future with hand tracking i don't think it's going to be what we have now but it's going to have to come because it is so liberating to not have controllers strapped to your hands when you're playing yeah. uh, i loved it and i would recommend go get it uh how much was it kaylee was it five dollars Three ninety nine for me. Three, three nine. That's that's in oh, euros, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's you. yeah five five uh, US dollars probably. I would say it's highly worth it, even if you only do it once, just to see your hands and feel it, experience it all. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, that's kind of like storytelling done well, like in VR, in my opinion. But the well, won an uh, Emmy, so it had to be pretty good, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it won. Uh, won like the highest uh, prize at Venice Film Festival as well which is like you know the kind of Oscars of the VR world really so okay yeah. that was well deserved that was so cute yeah yeah check it out tell us what you think in the comments let us know come join our discord tell us because we're curious we also went into something totally different uh if if you've been in VR a long time and you had a gear VR back in the day you might have tried a lot of different films because that was kind of the first thing that was around back then we went at a dinner party, which is another 360 experience, but it's mostly filmed live action. There's a little bit of CGI, but mostly you're looking at real human actors all around you. But with that comes, it's only three degrees of freedom. So that means if I tip my face forward or I lean backwards, I don't get any closer to the characters. It always stays kind of like a static 360 degree image, but you can look all around. Now, Alex, I would love for you to kind of talk through a little bit of this. 
we, we might give away a few spoilers because this thing is really old. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I feel okay kind of letting you in so that you can kind of get some more of what does behind the scenes look like on this. But mm-hmm. I would love for you to kind of talk to us about it. Tell us about how this is 360. So they had to grab your attention somehow and get you to look. Tell us a bit about that from a filmmaker's perspective. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because to give you listeners a bit of a, a behind the scenes of this particular podcast, like I was the one like suggesting what we should all check out for this week. And the reason that I chose Dinner Party, even though it's quite old, is because it's one of the only examples really in recent history, and it is quite old, of a fairly high budget scripted VR piece. So although the the piece itself, Dinner Party, is inspired by a true story, it's about a couple um, who were basically the first ever people to report uh, a UFO abduction. So it's the story is about this couple kind of retelling uh, and kind of showing what happened to them during this supposed UFO abduction. So that's the kind of the, the story. It's quite simple. Um, but it's one of the first pieces that had quite a bit of budget behind it. It was uh, funded by Riot, who are now owned by Verizon. They're, they're a really wonderful kind of VR company who really do try and push the kind of boundaries for this for this piece back in the day, this was like amazing. Like the camera was like moving around. They built sets out for it. They used, I believe like volumetric capture, that, that technology that we were talking about earlier to capture the CGI scenes. Cause it kind of blends 360 video and this kind of abstract ethereal type graphic style when they're explaining like the kind of abduction. Um, and the reason I wanted to, to kind of point this piece out is not necessarily because it's the, best piece of 360 you'll ever see in your life but it gives you an idea of of kind of um where the industry is right for 360 filmmaking for live action scripted filmmaking which is not very far unfortunately (laughs) and so even though you know i like the piece and i think it is quite boundary pushing for the time it was made and a more updated version of something similar would be something like traveling while black by felix and paul which is a documentary, which is why I didn't suggest it, but it uses similar-ish kind of like uh, storytelling techniques. Um, but for this piece specifically, let's talk about some of the things, you know, like they built out a full kind of like production designer set that had like this big rig that had this huge 360 camera on, which technically would have been so challenging because when you're creating a 360 film, it's a lot like theater in the way that every single act every single bit of the set is always on show every interaction with a prop every movement towards the camera has to be so carefully planned out because when you're working with a 360 camera you know you're up against so much this isn't just one camera that you're having to kind of you know focus on whether you're getting the right shot this is like you know potentially up to eight different camera lenses that you're trying to um, observe at the same time so technically it was a phenomenal feat of, of kind of 360 filmmaking now whether or not it's your cup of tea uh totally depends i mean my personal opinion on the piece is that I've realized very recently that I really like VR that is a point of view. I don't really like it when I'm treated like a camera, you know? As soon as you put the VR headset on, essentially you are a character in a story. Whether you're a witness or not, like we were just discussing in the line, you're not a character, you are a witness, but you feel like you're there, you feel presence, you feel immersion, you're in the story in some way. With dinner party, you're an observer, but the way you're treated is very much like a camera. You're kind of Mm -hmm. thrown around a little bit. And that can make some people feel a bit sick. Um, But I feel like just for the experimental purposes, it's worth highlighting as one of the kind of more recent big scripted kind of pieces to be up. But I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Well, I didn't really know what to expect, um, but... I thought initially when we when you're kind of you like descend at the beginning, you know, yeah. I, I it was like almost like too mentally like disturbing for me just because I suffer from dissociation and um, depersonalization, which is basically where you feel like uh, like out of body a lot mm. of the time. Um, so that almost like visual like put me in that situation in VR <laughs> and it was like it was really meta it was like oh my god this is what how I feel but it's being like presented before me in that wow. sort of way so initially I was like oh is this what it's going to be like throughout you know you're going to be like almost like out of the 
you know, not really present amongst them, but like always watching down. But then obviously you you descend like lower and lower, don't you? So like I was like, oh god, I mean, this is technically a good thing. So I was like, get me down from here. Like <laughs> this is really weird. But um, but I thought that was like really interesting because I kept looking up and like because it it almost like felt like a set when you were there because mm. of because there wasn't a roof. But I thought it was a really interesting choice to make it like you were inside a memory. That's how I felt because there was no roof. So it felt like it wasn't a completed set design because it kind of diminished off into those little like dots and stuff. And mm. it did make you feel like you were like accessing something like otherworldly rather than it being like a normal scenario. But um, yeah, I had to have one eye closed in the second yeah. half because it got too much with the double vision thing going on. But yeah. um, but putting that to the side, like I thought it was really, really good. Like I know obviously it's like based off um like sort of true events as well. Um so that I think when you when you see that at the end it always gives you like a a retrospective reaction. You're like, oh my God, that's like even cooler usually when something's like a true like based on true story you're like oh, you kind of like oh my God really. Um but I thought it was really captivating, like despite the technology of the time and the way that they did it. I think they did so well. It was like I was really like convinced. Um, because I think I think obviously with 360, like it is hard. It just sounds so like hard, and then you can really truly appreciate when like you watch an old one like that as well. And I'm like, oh my god, if that was released with just a higher resolution now, I wouldn't. But and mm. I, I think it was ama- like amazing. Like mm. it was literally like. If you can ignore that and just watch it for the story, like I thought it was done really, really well. Like like passing through the window, kind of like I was almost expecting it because where you were, what the like the perspective that you had, you were facing it, and I couldn't take my eyes off that window. I was like, I'm gonna end up going through that window. <laughs> I I feel like this is gonna happen, and then when you did, I was like, there it is, and I was like, oh my god. Um, but but yeah, I thought it was really like fascinating, especially watching. I watched that immediately after experiencing the line. So having those two like experiences like 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 side by side as well like and being able to like compare in my head was like really interesting that it made me realize how engaged you can be in something in an experience but like even when they're like completely different to each other like the the sense of immersion was completely different but um the only thing that I didn't like I quite couldn't quite understand was when things got a bit confusing was when everything started like being really glitchy you know the, with the aesthetic and it almost like made you feel like, is it meant to be like that? Or is my headset yeah. breaking? Because, but I thought that was really clever actually, because it almost made it more immersive because it felt like something was like faulty, but mm. it was like the style. I just thought that was really interesting. And it kind of like, it was almost like the, obviously it's like completely different to the line. It has that absolutely nothing to do with um, like narrative wise, but it again made me feel like a certain way. I think that's when you know that something's like, is successful is when you like come away feeling like a certain emotion or you're like left with certain thoughts um I think that's when like personally for me like I know that um even if at the time it's not necessarily like a positive story like it's had some sort of effect on you I think that's really like that's really cool but yeah I was like I was I was surprised yeah I thought it was cool Good or bad, VR is extremely powerful, Um, (laughs) especially when it has a good narrative. But kind of the same thing with this, that I was left affected. Uh, I let Nat, my wife, check it out. She was left affected, you know, and we were all affected in different ways based on our own personal experience. But one thing that before we move on to this one, I wanted to bring up is a challenge. And this is not only to the VR filmmaking industry, to VR gaming, to actual regular gaming, is when you're allowing a person to look wherever they want to, how do you draw their attention? How do you get them to look this direction where the action's happening so they're not over here looking off at something else and missing it? And Mm -hmm. I thought this actually did a pretty good job of that because it uses free look. It's not a forced perspective. It lets you look wherever you want to. So if you want to, if you got scared, you could look away and stop watching it completely. You could you could just be looking at the stars or whatever's out in the distance. And it did a good job of like the sound would draw my attention. I would turn my head that way. And that was really cool. But I was also sitting in a wired headset. So I'm spinning around and around. And I was like thinking, like, don't get strangled by your cable. So is that is that something that you have to think about a lot when you're Mm. making a film? Oh, massively, massively, massively. It's so interesting. And it's it's a it's a constantly evolving topic about how you do that. How do you direct attention when essentially people can look anywhere um but I always use I always like to use the kind of really cliche metaphor of like 
you are a magician when you're directing a VR piece. The whole point is that people think that they've got free will. They think that they can do whatever they want, but you're using clever techniques to actually guide their attention. Like you say, you can use sound. If, if some, suddenly something kind of like loud banged behind us, we would all turn to look at it. If, uh, if I wanted to kind of draw your attention to me and I wanted to take the spotlight away from these guys, maybe you would bring the light just on me and, and kind of darken the edges so that you couldn't see around. That would be another way of guiding attention. So you can do the same in 360. You could use lighting. And they did that in dinner party during like some of the scenes where, you know, like you say, there's quite vivid kind of mm, borderline horror I want to say like kind of scene happening in a very stylistic way in my dad but um if you didn't want to look at that then like you could look away but they were intentionally drawing your attention to it by having the rest of the space dark um so you can do things like that I mean in this piece specifically they were placing the camera and they were moving the camera very intentionally to try and guide where they wanted you to see but also there were scenes where intentionally they wanted you to look around. They were put. They were placing actors around the scene. They were placing. They were making pe- like people choreography, uh, choreography wise. They were making people move around the space to instinctively kick in your human, real life experience of if someone's moving, you're going to look at them like just because that's what we do. So um, yeah, really interesting discussion. It's something that I'm constantly thinking about when I'm working on my own projects. Is how do I make sure that you're looking where I want you to be looking? And often the answer to that is have a think about you how you kind of like draw attention in real life. So yeah. Well, and on that topic, we checked out one more uh, <laughs> called The Limit. Now, if you haven't heard of this, it was it's it's a few years old, but it had Michelle Rodriguez, uh, one of the actors from The Fast and the Furious. It has Norman Reedus in it. It has a pretty, I would guess, watching a pretty good budget behind it. But it is 180 degrees. So you're not looking all the way around. Same three degrees of freedom. You, you can't lean in and get closer to someone. It's still the same. Uh, do you <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this thing except it kind of felt like it could have been in the Fast and Furious realm. Do you want to kind of walk everyone through it real quick? Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's a point of view story. So you are the main character in the story. The characters are addressing you like you're in the story. And you are basically, from what I remember, it's been a little while since I've watched it, but you're basically on a mission to discover who you are. You're like an agent, basically, that's lost their memory. You've got classic amnesia. And Michelle Rodriguez's character is like an assassin that's keeping you safe and trying to kind of like maneuver you around the space, uh, kind of like the uh, the... the uh, um, kind of action safely to try and figure out kind of your identity and it all ends up with a big battle um, but yeah that's the kind of storyline it's basically an action sequence that's basically what the limit is and it's it's directed by iconic independent filmmaker Robert Rodriguez anyone who knows indie film knows that name he is a very uh, kind of known director for pushing the boundaries. He is the director of Sin City um, and some other kind of like really massive Hollywood hits. Um, and he's known for being the first to kind of jump into new spaces. But what I thought was interesting is that <laughs> I think he made this film without ever watching a piece of VR in his life. That's just my <laughs> personal opinion. Because if you watch the film, it's basically he's trying to make just a normal film in VR and it doesn't work in my opinion it really hurts your eyes and that is just my opinion but um it caused quite a controversy amongst the VR industry when it was first released so I'd be curious to hear what you guys thought well, did I did get a up? chance to watch it so oh, I'd be interested yeah. to hear Jake Jay's perspective yeah before I go in you spared your eyes yeah (laughs) to be honest with you Kaylee I (laughs) I, simply put I wouldn't recommend going and watching it Uh, (laughs) it is interesting to see what happened but it also costs money so for listeners Mm. out there I got it on sale on Steam for five dollars it's ten if you don't get it on Steam for on sale and it to my to me it wouldn't have been worth ten it was barely worth five the only good redeeming quality was it looked good mm. uh i felt like i have seen norman Reedus up close now like it looked very real but the problem was you're sitting basically in a little theater and 180 degrees in front of you is this movie so instead of them using uh sound or lighting or something to get you to turn and look they forced the camera to turn as if it was the real person in it and if you have any 
bit of motion sickness with VR, this will probably trigger you terribly bad. Mm. Uh, I let Nat watch it and she got kind of messed up from it. Uh, <laughs> and, and then on top of that, it's just kind of senseless action, which if you love action movies, maybe you're going to be super into it. I've kind of, oh, I don't want to say outgrown them because that sounds kind of condescending, but I just, I don't enjoy action for the sake of action. I need a good story and it didn't really engage me in a story. Uh, mm. it, it was loosely built, I felt like, and it, I don't know. It was fine. I was, I appreciate the experience. I appreciate seeing the visuals, but I was, I was looking at my watch. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, how much longer is this thing? It, it totally, it, it felt, um, it feels like it's kind of like, you know how when people first get into VR because their friend shows it to them and they, they put them in like a roller coaster simulator. It feels like that's what this was, but on acid. Like essentially, <laughs> if you want the experience of what it's like to fall out of a helicopter without a parachute, this is the one for you. If you want the experience of being shot at in a wild car chase, this is the one for you. Like, it's all of these kind of very cliche, like, kind of, yeah, like, action sequences. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I feel like it would have been great if they just didn't force perspective. Like, mm -hmm. that ruined it so much because it just was, un it's unwatchable almost because it hurts your eyes so badly to, to watch it. I mean, that was just my experience with it. But the reason why it's worth pointing out is because this was an example of someone very, very highly respected in Hollywood with clearly a massive budget having a go at something in VR. And so it was a really big deal for the VR industry. And it very much ended in controversy when um, it, uh, on a panel uh, being interviewed, Robert Rodriguez, the director, kind of openly admitted that he didn't even watch the film in VR while they were editing. He's wow. never seen, at the time, hadn't seen it in VR, even though it was released, which is so bad. It's like, what are you talking about? That would be like you creating your film and just having someone describe it to you. Like, you can't make a VR film and not watch it in VR. Like, what are you doing, man? It shows. It shows in it. It is. It feels yeah. like the games that we get from these big developers and we're all excited. But then it's like, oh, have they played a VR game? Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think so. So that that hurt. Uh, the the One of the things that I was curious about and... And this might get a little controversial here, Alex, so I apologize oh, ahead. Oh. But to me, I've watched a lot of VR films. I Mostly on the Gear VR, it was what there was. You know, there wasn't a lot of great games. There wasn't things to do. And so mm. from my perspective in the VR industry, it kind of seems like the film side is phasing out or almost dying. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that's probably a horrible thing to to bring up something like that to you. No, but no, no. I want to hear your side of that because it definitely... I've been wondering for a long time, like, is this ever going to happen? Are we going to get there? We got a question where someone asked, do you think that VR films will ever be mainstream and what would it take for that to happen? So go ahead, convince me that this is not the case, please. How long do you have? I can talk about this <laughs> subject forever. Okay, here we go. You are 100% right. Um, oh God, where to even start? In my opinion... 360 or 180 like film-based VR content passive VR content where you simply sit and you can look around whilst the story unfolds around you is perfect for first-time users of VR like you say when we got into VR all there was with the gear VR 360 is the gateway into VR often. Well, it was until we have like the Oculus Quest 2, which is now so accessible and so cheap that now that has become the kind of gateway. But back in the day, like Google Cardboard, Gear VR, like the um, Daydream by Google, these were the, the, the headsets that most people had access to. And really the only things that they could run, like you say, were films. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there's definitely areas of VR filmmaking that does still work really well. Documentary is a perfect example. Um, I believe uh, this year, just coming up, or might have been the same year as The Line, I'm not sure, but uh, a, a VR documentary, a 360 documentary, where you couldn't interact with it, it was just merely a kind of a 360 experience about the pandemic, about COVID, about isolation, about what was happening in the healthcare system. Um, that was nominated for an Emmy, I believe. And that's that's like, you know, a really powerful use case, right? Putting, I always say like VR film is, is great for two reasons, either being someone else or being somewhere else. So, you know, I can't visit space, but if I can go to space like in VR, phenomenal. I can't 
be you, Jay. But if you put me in a VR film that's shown from your perspective, then I can be in your shoes. So there's very specific scenarios that it does work. But we as an industry have come on leaps and bounds. The technology, the hardware, the software, the creators in this space are very different to what they were back in 2015 when when kind of Gear VR was kind of, you know, the thing. Um, and so my opinion is that as the industry has moved on, so has the appetite for the content. So now we're in a space where interactive storytelling is is the king or the queen of VR, you know, you've, and, and we could discuss even what that line is between filmmaking and games, because that line is getting so blurry in VR. Half-Life Alex, is it a game? I don't know. I would argue that you could say it's an interactive film. Same <laughs> with a lot of these things, like the line. Yes, it's a film, but it, it kind of has gameplay. So, you know, Gloomy Eyes is another one. Um, Baba Yaga, that just, Yaga, I think it's called, is, uh, just came out. That is kind of like another interactive story. Madrid Noir, it's an interactive story. Where is that line between film and game? My personal opinion is that 360 and, you know, seated, passive VR experiences will be reserved for those entry-level experiences. In my kind of field, a lot of the work that I do, especially on the corporate side, like the money-making side, because let's face it, there's no money in, <laughs> in making VR films because there's no audiences for them, really. Um, but, you know, uh, the the kind of corporate side, they love 360 because the audience is a kind of room full of corporate employees that are doing some really engaging training and sitting in a VR headset way more interactive and, and, and engaging than something like, uh, you know, an interactive quiz on, a, on, on their MacBooks. So in that scenario, it makes perfect sense. But like you say, for the at-home audience, I'm not going to put my headset on to watch a film. I'm going to sit and watch Netflix on my giant TV. Like, yep. will there be a future where I'm wearing Apple smart glasses and instead of having a TV at all, I can just project, you know, a, a movie onto the wall. I can project a 180 film. Sure, I'm sure that that day will come. But for now, we are in a space where the people that have headsets at home, they're going to be interactive, like the kind of content they want is going to be interactive. It's going to be maybe more social. It's going to be kind of like gameplay. It's going to be that kind of stuff, not necessarily, oh, let me just pop on my headset to watch the latest nature documentary. That's my kind of opinion. But I'd be curious to hear to hear your opinion, because I know that's quite controversial. <laughs> well, Kaylee, what, what do you think? Because this was some of your first content like this. You're usually in making art. You're creating environments instead. What do you think? Well, yeah, I was... I. I'm this I kind of agree with you Alex like I I just wouldn't see how how much I would be gaining from just sitting and watching um things like on a screen anyway inside a screen it's like I just think it's um like wasted effort on your eyeballs like <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of strain for like you, you, they're doing two things at the same time kind of because you're really taking in the fact that you're in a virtual environment and then watching the screen anyway I just think might as well cut one of those out and yeah watch it no like com like conventionally I just um yeah I I think I would I love interactive interactive cinematic experiences obviously um that's kind of what I aspire to be a lot more involved in as well you know like art directing like being able to like set design and stuff I just think that's kind of where passion like my passion would lie really mm. my interest would be from a v like a VR user's perspective I just think um I think it depends. I, I can't personally see what people would gain though from because I just think the cinematic experience of sitting in like a cinema um, environment as well, like that, you don't really get everything that comes along with that. Like when you do, when you go there in real life, um, I know when people are there and they've got their avatars, but it's just that for me will never be the same. Like going to the cinema is one of my favorite things to do, like top three things to do. And I just, um, even though that is my favorite thing to do in real life, I just don't bother in VR of like being in one of those like virtual auditoriums and watching it on the big screen. It's just, it's just not the same mm. um, for me uh, personally. So, but yeah, I do love. Obviously, I do want to. It, like, I feel like watching the lines as well. Like, kickstarted that like interest and passion for that sort of thing. And I think I want to like watch a lot more of that. Um, that would be kind of like where I, I would want to step back into. But yeah, not really watching it 
inside a screen within a screen. <laughs> it's got to kind of be that top level, like the line with the interactability. My the other thing, yeah. and kind of the last question we had here that I was wondering about, though, would it change any of this if it was more multiplayer? So one thing that I did back in the day on the Gear VR, we, it was the time when they were giving them away free if you upgraded your phone. So me and four people all together ended up with Gear VRs. And so we actually all sat in this one seance VR experience. It was kind of a horror-based experience. And we, like, sat in a circle on the floor with all our headsets on and held hands and <laughs> watched this experience. And that made it so much better because we're all laughing. We're freaking out. We're all there together. Even though we couldn't physically see each other in it, mm. it made it so fun to share such an intense experience with other people. So. Yeah. I, I think if they can start to pull people into that and maybe with these new headsets like the Vario, where it can actually scan your environment and pull real people in with you, you know, that could change that and bring that medium back really heavily where, okay, now I can actually be in this with my friends. Cause too often, if I'm going to watch a VR film, I'm doing it by myself and someone can watch it on my screen. It's not the same as if they were in there with me. So once headsets are more accessible, once you have two or three in your house at the same time, there might be a room for that. And I, I hope so. Cause I would love to see how do I do this stuff with my wife the whole time? You know, how do we yeah. share these experiences together and have this fun? Cause too often it's like, okay, I'll watch it. Okay. You watch it. Now let's discuss, let's be in the moment laughing and freaking out and crying together. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny you say that because I feel like quite honestly, the pandemic has really like hammered the, uh, the VR film or let's just call it the VR storytelling industry because a lot of the time we were creating these pieces to showcase in a location. You know, in England, we've got some phenomenal venues that, that, that host VR exhibitions, the Saatchi Gallery, the Tate, the Tate Modern, um, you know, even like locally kind of like independent arts venues and cinemas. I mean, I did, uh, I hosted this six month pop-up VR cinema for my in, for a local independent cinema. It was phenomenal. People loved it. Like people loved, like you say, coming together, all experiencing a VR film at the same time and then discussing it afterwards. And that, that is the magic of VR. And when that's the thing that I kind of, I'm constantly wrestling with is I've become really desensitized to VR films because I've like been in the industry for so long. Like I started making them late 2015, early 2016. So it's like, I've been in it a long time and therefore I'm not as uh, kind of impressed by old school, simple, passive, linear 360 anymore. But when you get into a room with people that have never done VR before and they all come in and they all get excited, ooh, new technology, ooh, like, you know, we put these headsets on and now we're all in this environment. Whoa, look at this. Wow. You know, they're all enjoying the experience together. And then we have this collective conversation. And every single time I did that, someone would say, I never want to take that off. Like, that's the future. And these are like, you know, 50, 60 year old like women sometimes, which are not the demographic that Oculus are going after. I can tell you that. So that, <laughs> that, that tells you everything about this medium. So sometimes I feel like the last couple of years has been really hard because we've been removed from that in-person experience. And I think mm -hmm. you're right, Jay. I think that's the key often with this kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, my personal opinion on where this all goes long-term in terms of VR storytelling, I mean, we touched on it slightly earlier about the whole, you know, the overlapping of game and film kind of coming together. But my personal opinion is that VR filmmaking in future will look a lot more like Dungeons and Dragons. Or ah. we have this thing in the UK called Secret Cinema, which is basically like they build a physical installation world of your favorite film, like Blade Runner, for example, and you go and explore and you're like a character in the world. I feel like that's going to be the future. It's going to be, you know, potentially AI driven or like, you know, we're in this story together, we're affecting it, but we're characters and we go on this adventure together. For me, that seems like the natural future of this i'd be curious to see where you guys think this is all going though like in terms of the entertainment side of vr well i i hope that that's where it's going i want to see you know location-based vr can't be everywhere so i mm -hmm. want to see a degree of like how do i get all that in my home but seeing my friends with me you know it's cool that we're avatars but imagine this podcast now if i actually saw you sitting there mm. and i actually saw you sitting there even though we're across the world from each other i think once we get to that level of bringing each other in everything will be back on the table as far as even 360 content 180 content the fact that i feel like i'm physically there with you 
will change it. Because right now I feel like it's you, but it's also, you know, you're a cartoony record avatar. You're, you're not you. That will make it to where the conversations can open up. We can have fun. We'll feel like we're actually in the cinema, like Kaylee's saying, instead of always kind of feeling like, oh, I'm hearing them through this mic and it doesn't look like it's actually a person. And it's not, you know, I might laugh at a funny scene in the movie, but everyone else laughs and then they get their ping delay before their laughs show up. And it just Mm. doesn't feel the same as real life. It needs to feel like real life. And then we're probably never going to get out of our headsets again. 100% 100% bring yeah. on the ready play one world <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and I will not be leaving it yeah, I'll yeah. Be in there <laughs> <laughs> then, then we'll all be happy Alex people are going to hear this podcast and they're going to think where do I find more Alex where do I learn <laughs> more and, and interact where would you send them Oh, I love that. Please do come find me. I like to be stalked. (laughs) Um, You can find me across all the social medias, usually hanging out on Instagram stories and Twitter a lot. It's Alex Makes VR. And like I said, I put out a podcast every single week talking about these kind of subjects. I know, you know, you guys talk about loads of different stuff like news and games and all that kind of and have really interesting guests. Mine is more of like an out loud diary about my experience (laughs) creating VR. Um, building a business in VR and like my opinions on what's happening in the industry. So yeah, you can check me out over there. Alex makes VR. Definitely. Look up Alex, hang out and then come join our discord server while you're at it. Alex is there now too. You can come yeah. ask us questions. You can get them in the Q&A like you heard them here on the podcast. You can even have influence over what we play, what we talk about, what we do on the podcast. If you want to take a step further, become a supporter on Patreon, contribute directly to the cost of this podcast. That's amazing. We really appreciate everyone who has done that in the past. And if you're listening, you know, we're on every listening platform that we know of. But if you're listening, come check us out on YouTube, especially this week. We got Alex here. We got a screen up here showing a lot of different visuals of what we're talking about as we go to really taking it a step further. And if you're watching here on YouTube, but you're like, oh, I need more of this. I just don't have the time to watch all the videos. Get on Spotify. Follow us on there. Make sure you're listening to the episodes. Uh, I want to say another humongous thank you, Alex. It has been amazing having you here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I could literally do this every single week. So, <laughs> you know, have your girl back at some point, yeah? <laughs> we, yeah? We definitely will. We'll talk more about that off podcast. <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And remember, when it comes to VR, you got to dive on in. 